Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Glory to God. I'd like to invite you to turn with me, please, if you would, to Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. This morning, we're talking about loving God and loving man. During our Sunday night services, we're talking about the Holy Ghost and His gifts. And we're spending time worshiping and promoting the move of the Spirit. In our Wednesday evening services, we're talking about the blood covenant. The blood covenant helps us establish a strong foundation for our faith. Last week, we talked about loving God. And in these verses of Scripture, verses 28 through 34, Jesus said that to love God involves the whole heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength of an individual. To love God with all of our heart means we take His Word and hide it in our hearts that we don't sin against Him. Why do we say that? Because Jesus said, if a man loves me, he will take my teachings and my Word and keep them. That's loving God with the heart. With the soul, He's talking about setting our affections upon Him. We are dead, our lives are hid with Christ and God. We are to set our affections upon things that are above, not on things that are beneath. This world has a lot to offer, but we can't be in love with the world. Our affections cannot be on the things of this world. If they are, they are misplaced. We need to have an affection toward God Almighty, to love Him with all the passions of our soul. Thirdly, we said... To love Him with our mind involves submitting our minds to the renewal of the Word. To renew our minds according to the Word of God because the natural man in his natural thinking is enmity against God. We must start thinking like God thinks if we love God with our minds. And what that means is find out what God said and then think that way. Let that influence your thinking and then make right choices accordingly. If he said adultery is wrong, then you know what? I better think that way and make a right choice. If he says fornication is wrong, I better think that way. Amen. If he says homosexuality is wrong, I better think that way and make right choices. Somebody say amen. If he says stealing is wrong, I better think that way and I better make a right choice. If he says killing is wrong, I better think that way and make a right choice. Somebody say amen. amen. So we have to think like God thinks and make right choices based on that. And then he said with all your strength. And that's talking about using all the energies of our being to turn away from evil and towards God. All the powers of our being, all the energies of our spirit, our soul, and body to be turned away from evil 
and towards God. See, that's loving God. And every one of us is under a divine mandate to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And He didn't stop there. Look at verse 31. And the second is like, namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Thou shalt love thy neighbor. So he's talking about loving man. Correct? Loving man. For example, I talked about last week just a little bit uh, to our young people about loving their parents. The Bible says that we're to honor our, our parents in the Lord for this is right. Amen? Young people, amen? Let me, let me try that again. Young people, the Bible says to honor your parents in the Lord for this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Isn't that what it says? I better think like that. And I better make right choices based on that. Why? Now, of all the commandments, anybody know the Ten Commandments? Can you run them off right now? Of all the commandments, did you notice that that's the first one with the promise? Anybody awake? I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Now listen to me. Of all the commandments, this is a mandate. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt have no strange gods before me. I'm the Lord your God. Thou shalt not. 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 Oh, by the way, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. The others are mandates without promises. That it may be well with you. That you may live long on the earth. I like that, don't you? I'm going to call mom and dad today when I get home. (laughs) Hallelujah. Love you, mom. Love you, dad. Honor you. Respect you. Hallelujah. Why? That it may be well with me and that I may live long on the earth. But you don't know my parents. I know, but I know you're God. And he said to do it. Don't question him. Just do it. And if you'll do it, it'll build character in you. And you'll be following the mandate of love. And you're under that divine mandate to love, to love one another. Well, that's just a part of it. I want to show us, we're supposed to, I'm going to talk about loving ourselves today. You ready for that one? But first, let's look at this. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, I'm to love my neighbor as myself, right? Well, you are just on fire this morning. I just, I'm telling you. I am to love my neighbor as myself. But I want to know just a little bit about loving my neighbor or how I am to love others because then I have an idea as to how I'm to love myself. Did you get that? I'm to love myself and you're to love yourself. But I need to know a little bit more about that kind of love that I should have to myself, toward myself, right? And I'm going to find that by finding out how God told me to love my neighbor or to love others. 1 Peter 1.22 Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. See how that's loving God? By getting your mind renewed to the truth and acting accordingly and making right choices. Through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Unfeigned love of the brethren. Now listen. See that you love one another a little bit. 
See that you love one another when you feel like it. See that you love one another when people treat you fine. No. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Everybody say fervently. Fervently means very hot and glowing. Fervently means to the boiling point. Fervently means intently. We are to love one another with a love that is brought to the boiling point. That's very hot and glowing. I want to show you just how hot that love is supposed to be in our lives. You know, faith works by love. Love is the energizing force of faith. And if I'm not loving to the boiling point, what's that going to do to my faith life? It'll be weakened. I want to show you. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10 and you will see exactly how hot our love for each other is supposed to be. It says in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with, what kind of heat? Fervent heat. Same word. The elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with what kind of heat? That's pretty hot. That's to the boiling point. Wouldn't you say that's very hot and glowing? It is saying that we are to love one another with a love that is so hot, so burning, so glowing, so powerful that it's seen here as described as, as that which is going to burn up all the earth. What a mandate. We're to be in love with each other that way. What a mandate. We're to love dying humanity. With that kind of hot heated love, we're to love each other with that kind of hot heated love. In order for us to be effective in loving ourselves, beloved, as He wants us to love ourselves, I believe I must first understand just how much He loved me. Because I know that His love for me was, as He said right here, so hot and so burning that He was willing to give the life of His only begotten Son to prove it to me. See, beloved, back there in Mark, when that Scripture is read, it says that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And in the great commandment in John thirteen thirty four, Jesus said, this is the commandment that you love one another even as I have loved you. Did you hear that? Even as I have loved you. Well, if I'm to love others as He loved me, I've got to first know how much He loved me. I've got to have a revelation of His love. I've got to have an experience of His love. I've got to have the knowledge of His love for me. Why? Because that's how I'm supposed to love you. And right there, we read those verses, it's, it's with a fervent, Hot, heated, to the boiling point, love for mankind. Especially for my brothers and sisters in the faith, but also for all the world. 
every human being that's alive upon the face of the earth because that's the kind of love that loved us and brought us into the family of God. And so I want to do that first. Go to John's Gospel, chapter 3, if you would please. I want to share with you the love that God has for us. I want to give us a revelation this morning of God's hot, heated, to the boiling point love that He demonstrated toward us. A love, it is said of, that there is no greater. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus said. A love that loved me, not because I was somebody that was doing something right, not because of the way I look, not because of my social status, not because of the color of my skin. A love that loved me before I was ever born. So it had nothing to do with me, had nothing to do with what I look like. It had everything to do with something beyond the realm of human scope. A love so deep, a love so wide, a love so penetrated, a love so pure... that it can only be described as the love that God has because God is love. In John 3, 16, I know you know the verse, but we're going to take you to a different place, I pray, this morning in this verse and with this verse. How many of you know that the Bible says that God is love and that love is of God? And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Everybody says, I want to know you better. Then you want to know love better. Because love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not does not know God. If I want to know God, I've got to know love. And it also says in 1 John chapter 4... And you can read through verse 20 for yourself. I'm not going to take time to turn to it. How can I love my brother? I mean, how can I say I love God in whom I've not seen if I can't love my brother when I see him? And my brother was made in the likeness and image of God. And if I'm not loving him, how can I love God who I don't see? By now, you know the Greek word there for love is agape. It's from the Greek word agapao. And it means love that's beyond human scope. It means divine love. It means a love that human beings do not have on their own. It's a love that goes far beyond natural human love. It is a love that finds its origin in God Almighty, for God is love. Not that He has love, but that He is love. And I am to love myself, agape, agapao, I am to love myself with that kind of love. And that's the secret right there to loving yourself. I am to love myself with the kind of love that God has, not with my own natural human love. I am to love my neighbor with the kind of love that God has, not with my own natural human love. It is a love based on principle. It is a love based on choice and decision. It is not a love based on feeling. It's not a love based on emotion. It is a love that's based on principle and decision. It's the love of God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved, that's agape, agapao, the world, 
that he, if you have a highlight marker there, a highlight gave, gave or underline, underscore, gave, he gave, gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, we know the verse, one of the most popular verses in all the Bible, but I want to bring out four things in this verse that will help us better understand how much God loves us, every one of us. God so loved the world, underline world, that He gave, underline gave, should not perish, underline perish, have everlasting life, underline life. World gave, perish, life. World gave, perish, life. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 3. World gave, perish, life. And turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Before I can love you, before I can love myself the way God wants me to, I have got to first understand how much God loved me and have a revelation of that love and experience that love in my own personal life. In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, beginning at verse 14, prayed for the church at Ephesus. He bowed his knees to the Father, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant us the church according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love. The church, the individual, is to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, verse 18. May be able to comprehend, understand, experience, and know. To know what? The love of Christ... First of all, with all saints, what is the breadth, underlined breadth, the length, underlined length, the depth, underlined uh, depth, and also the height. Notice the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. The world gave, perish, and life. Here we have a revelation of the world giving, not perishing, and life. This is a revelation of the love of God. People think it can't be seen. People think it can't be understood. People think it can't be really experienced, but it can. God so loved the world is the breath of God's love. That means any person that ever was, any person that ever is, any person that ever will be is loved by God. Every being ever born into this realm of life has already been loved by God. And obviously, it was not based on how they look. It was not based on their social status. It was not based on anything that they have done in their lives. Why? Because they haven't even been born yet, but they have been loved by God. His love is as far-reaching as all the world and any being that will ever exist on this planet. Now, evaluate your own life. Evaluate your own spirit. Evaluate your, evaluate your own love. Do I love all the world that way? Do I have a compassion? Do I have a, on the inside of me a deep-seated love to see all people set free from the power of sin? Well, God does. 
It's the world. It encompasses all the world. Secondly, that's the breadth of God's love. The length. To what length would God go to demonstrate His great love to the world? Oh, God so loved the world that He gave. Everybody say gave. He gave. What did He give? He gave His only begotten Son. To have a revelation of that great love for me, I've got to first of all see that Jesus left the glory world for me. He set aside His rightful power and glory. He left the glory world. He became a man and walked on this earth. The Creator becoming a part of the creation. I don't know all of what that entails. I don't know all of what that means. But I'm going to tell you something right now. It's a big step for God in humility to bow Himself and come to the earth to meet our need. It's an act of great love. He gave His life. He gave the life of His Son. He gave Himself. He had nothing greater to give but life itself, His own very life. No wonder we're to lay down our lives for the brethren. Number three, He gave His only begotten Son so that, why? No one would perish. So that no one would perish. What does that mean, no one would perish? It meant not only did He become a man, but on Calvary's cross, it also meant He bore the sin of the world. He who knew no sin was made sin for us, so that you and I would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And on that day that he died, he said, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was separated from the Father because of our sin. He became our substitute, entered into the bowels of the earth where he was, suffered the punishment of our separation from, the, from God in the beginning because of Adam's high treason. And I'll tell you something right now. All I know is he suffered that penalty for me. I know it's hard for us to imagine that, but He suffered that penalty for me. He walked into those flames for me. He bore that penalty for me. He paid that price for me. I should have gone there, but He went there for me, so I don't have to go there. And He did it before I was born. He did it before I did one thing right or one thing wrong even though he knew how tall I was going to be in this life. He still did it. Didn't matter how I looked. It was a done deal. He loved me. He loved you. He paid the penalty in that place of suffering for all of us. That's a revelation of, and I don't have time to get in, in depth in that, but that's a revelation of the depth of His love. To what depth? To what length would He go? He sent His only begotten Son to become a man. To what depth would He go? He would, as the Scripture says in Psalm 88, to the lowest depth. He suffered in the lowest depth. A depth beyond imagination in the abyss for all of us. Who shall descend into the deep or the abyss and pull Christ up? Oh, my mind wants to scream. He did that for me. He did that for me. Yes, that's how much He loves me. That whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have. Have what? Have what? Everlasting life. Zoe life. Life as God has it. He just brought me out of that place, out of that death, that spiritual death. And He didn't just make me a barely get along person. He gave me His life. I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. I had nothing to do with it. Could you see that this is the love of God? And I've got to meditate those four statements of fact from the Word of God to better understand the very love that God has for me. Why? Because, as Paul said, now, I know no man after the flesh. 
My love for you is not based on what you look like, what you talk like, what you think like. My love for you cannot be based on you, yourself, or anything that you have done. My love for humanity is not based on whether or not someone rapes, kills, murders, steals, cheats, lies, and does all these other things. Our love for humanity has got to be based on the love of God that's in our hearts. And we're to love the world as God did while the world is still sinning. We are sin- we're sinners. And He loved us while we were sinners. But He loved us even before we were born. Now, with those thoughts in mind, I want you to turn to, Revela- to, to Romans chapter 5, please. When I was at Bible school at Ramah, I was sitting in a class where Kenneth Hagin was teaching on spiritual growth, growing up spiritually. And he turned to a text in John 16, had us all turn there, John 16:27, And that verse said, For the Father Himself loveth you, because you have loved me and believed that I came out from God. I was sitting there just like everybody else, opened up my Bible to that spot. The moment I read that verse, something happened to me in the spirit realm. It was as if all my natural senses were suspended. It was as if I, you know, I was aware of other people being around me, but I was more conscious and more aware of the spirit realm than I was of the natural realm. I could vaguely hear Brother Hagin's voice in the background. I can vaguely hear you know, people turning their pages in the background. It was like just being caught up in the spirit. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice say to me, The Father Himself loveth you. The Father Himself loveth you. The Father Himself loveth you. And all that, those words just rang in my spirit. And they just began to have an effect upon my, my heart and my thinking. It was as if I was being embraced by God Almighty Himself. Not only did I have the word that said that He loved me, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, The Father Himself loveth you. That verse in John 16, 27 has been to me, I'll tell you what, one of the most powerful verses in my life because not only did I know from the Scriptures that the Father loved me, I knew because God spoke to me, to my heart, and said, The Father Himself loveth you. And for the first time, I really said, Yes, it's not just that which is written on the page. It is a reality. I'm being embraced by God Almighty, and I know that I know that He loves me. He's confirming His Word. And I believe anyone that will just spend time in His presence will hear and know the same truth. But in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God. Everybody say love of God. The agape of God, the love of God. If I'm to love myself with agape love, if I'm to love my neighbor with agape love, I've got to have agape love. It's a resource that you do not have if you're not saved. If you're not born again, you don't have agape love. And you can't love the world and you can't love yourself and you can't love your neighbor with agape love because you don't own it, you don't have it, you don't possess it. But the love of God, look at what it says, is shed abroad in our hearts. Notice it's not the love of man, but it's the love of God. The love of God is shed abroad where? In our hearts by the Spirit of God, you know, when we're born again, which is given unto us. That's how I get that love. That's how I'm able to love humanity. That's how I'm able to love my neighbor. That's how I'm able to love my wife. That's how I'm able to love myself also. It's with this kind of love. And you know what, beloved? I believe the average saint has not seen this. We talk about loving each other with agape love, but what about loving ourselves with agape love? 
What about that revelation? Love your neighbor as yourself. The word, the same word, agape, agapao, love your neighbor as yourself. The same love applies. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love yourself with agape love. Love your neighbor with agape love. Why is he saying that? For many reasons. And I believe one of those reasons is because of this. We don't see ourselves as God sees us. Number one, if you want to learn how to love yourself with agape love and what it means to love yourself, Number one, it means we have got to see ourselves as God sees us, not as we see ourselves. How do you see yourself? How do I see myself? Too often by looking in the mirror. Look at 1 John chapter 3, if you would, please. How does God see me? God saw us in Christ from the foundation of the world. It didn't matter to him what our outward appearance would be like. He still purposed to love us regardless of anything that we would do or anything that we'd look like. In 1 John chapter 3, I must see myself as God sees me if I'm going to love myself with divine love. Behold what manner of love, verse 1, the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I see myself as a son of God. Do you see yourself as a son of God? Now look at this. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. But right now we are the sons of God. In verse 3, every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Now we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I must see myself. And look at uh, chapter 4 and uh, let's see, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. You want to dwell in God? You want to live in God? You want God to live in you? Look at what it says. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Agape is the key. Agape is the love of God. God has given us his love. That love is on the inside of us. I must live in that love and let that love live in me. If I do, God lives in me, and I live in God. And that starts with myself. Next verse. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we. Listen to those six words. As He is, so are we in this world. Not on the other side, not in the glory world, but as He is, so are we. As He is, so am I. As He is, so am I. Are you seeing this? I've got to see myself that way. As He is, so am I. As He is, so am I. Why? His love's in me. His life's in me. His ability is in me. His resources are in me. I have the life of God in me, the ability of God in me. It's all in me right now. I'm not trying to get it. I have it. As He is, so are we. Where? In this world. Right here and right now. I've got to see myself as God sees me. I've got to see you as God sees you. Paul said, I know no man after the flesh. Because the flesh is not the true representation of the individual. I'm going to say that again. The flesh is not the true representation of the individual. You are a spirit being on the inside. You have the life of God. I am the love which you look like on the inside, not on the outside. I'm not to know any man after the flesh. You know why? Because like mine, your flesh has a lot of faults 
and failures and shortcomings. And we can go on and on and name them all. Amen? Okay. Number two. If I want to love myself as he said I should, I shouldn't see myself as others see me. I shouldn't see myself as I find myself in the mirror. I shouldn't be like the Israelites and see myself as a grasshopper in the jungle of life and everything around me being a giant and I can't possess my land. I've got to see myself as He is, so am I in this world. And thank God, I am able to conquer through Him. Number two, I must accept myself as I am. I must accept myself. All five foot six and three quarter of me as I am. If there's something you don't like about yourself, you're supposed to love yourself anyway. Because agape love is not love based on feeling, emotion, or sight. It is love based on what? Decision. Based on what? Principle. My life consists of more than flesh and blood. The value of my life is that which is eternal and not that which is temporal. And this temporal part of my body is going to fall away and fade away and go back to the dust of the earth. I'm a whole lot bigger and taller on the inside than I am on the outside. And that's the part of me that I've got to see that is meaningful to God, that is valuable to God. If I don't think my nose looks right, if I don't think my hair looks right, if I don't think my, my earlobes are just a little bit too long, if I don't like what I see when I look in that mirror, it's in my nature to love myself because I have the love nature of God in me and I am more than flesh and bone. I have the life of God inside me and my spirit, which is eternal, is valuable and precious in the sight of God. So precious, so valuable that my God sent His Son to the earth to die who went into the regions of the damned, who suffered for my penalty, who arose again. So what? I can have a little bit? No, I can have His life. Wow. I must be pretty special. Notice I added that three-quarter in there. Five foot six and three-quarter. Hallelujah. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. Let it be the hidden man of the heart. Don't glory in the outward appearance. And you know, we go through great lengths to see to that every hair is in place. All the makeup is on just right. That I look good when I walk out and make sure there's nothing out of place and all that. Why? Because we want to look good on the outside, but I'm telling you, you're a whole lot better on the inside. And on the inside is what counts. And that's why in 1 Peter 3, it, we are told, let it be the hidden man of the heart that is acceptable, that is seen. And if you're not satisfied with your outward appearance, you know what? You're not walking in the realm of God's love. You're not loving yourself as God loves you. You don't see yourself as God sees you. You don't accept yourself as God sees you. You've got it within your nature because of the love of God shed abroad in your heart to love yourself as He loves you. Thirdly, You've got to be at peace with yourself. You have got to be at peace with yourself. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world give I unto you. I'm giving you my peace. I have got to be at peace with myself the way I am. You know why? He'll keep me at perfect peace if my mind is stayed on Him because I trust in Him. I can't think about myself differently than what His Word says. 
I can't see myself differently than what His Word says. I've got to be at peace with myself that I am somebody special, not based on me, not based on my ideas of being special, not based on the world. You look at what the world says, and the world says if you're not five foot eight, 112 pounds, and the, you know, the, the best-looking thing in all the world, then you're nobody. Let these same individuals get a little bit older in life and we'll start seeing who they think they are and what the world thinks they are. If you had to wait to look that good in order to be somebody special, you might have to wait for a long, long time. If I had to be five foot eleven to be somebody special, give me a stool. I've got to come to grips with the fact that I'm five foot six. I'll tell you, brother, uh, brother, Doctor Milladine, he, he did a tremendous job yesterday at our men's ministry, talking about you know uh, the ministry that he has and everything. He said, "I'll get that knee yours fixed up, and you'll dunk." Just some of these dreams that you have, you know. I mean, the youth are playing, the, you know, the mature men are playing the young adults. I mean, the games, you know, we're down by one. And you see yourself flying through the air, dunking. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Glory. Oh, boy. <laughs> see, you ever see some of these six-foot-nine basketball players that just go... <laughs> well, no wonder he can score 50 points. He just reaches up like that and the ball goes in. We've got to put a rope on ours. A homing device. <laughs> Glory to God. I got to be at peace with myself. Here I am. This is me. But I'm special on the inside. I'm bigger, praise God. Can you see that? Number four, I've got to have a right attitude toward myself. Ephesians 4.23 says, My attitudes and my thoughts ought to always be changing for the better in the living Bible. My attitude and my thoughts about myself have got to always be changing. How? For the better. The more I see who I am in Christ, the better I think about myself. The more I value who I am in Christ, the, more I, the better I think about myself. The better my attitude is toward myself. Beloved, what defeats us is the attitudes that we maintain toward ourselves. I'm not needed. I'm not special. I'm a nobody and all that. And the devil just plays right along with our insecurities, doesn't he? And tries to tell that to every single one of us. But I'm telling you, before you were ever born, before you were ever thought of, someone loved you with a love so wide, so deep, so, so, so high, praise God, and, and you can't even measure the dimensions of God's love for us, that He gave His whole life to prove it. Deity gave His life for humanity to prove it. And so who are we, humanity? Saying that it doesn't mean a thing to us. That what really matters is whether or not I'm tall or short or my ears are just right. That's a slap in the face when it comes to God. My thoughts ought to always be changing for the better about myself. Number five, please make note of this one. Number five, if I'm loving myself as God loves me, this love is based on principle. It's not based on any feeling or any thought I have of myself based on my appearance, my social status, my color, it, it, of skin, it, none of that is relevant. He loves the world. I can't base my self-worth on my personal performance. This world is performance-oriented. I cannot base my personal self-worth on my performance. 
And the world would have us to think if we can't perform, then we're nobody. Society would tell us that if we don't perform well, then as far as they're concerned, we're not of any value to the world system. It's okay to be competitive, beloved. There's nothing wrong with being competitive. We all have abilities and talents that God has given us and they're to be used for His honor and glory. We all have got to realize we have our own limitations. You know, I might want to bring a trampoline next time we play basketball so I can dunk one time. But see, then I'm cheating. It's not permissible in the game. So I've accepted the fact that I've got a limitation when it comes to that. I have to accept that. I have to be at peace with myself and, and, and accept that and, and know that it, that's not where my value lies. That's not where my worth lies. It's not based on my performance. Sometimes I find myself, I use myself, I'll target myself. Where I feel as though I've not done well, I've not performed well, whether it's a basketball game or whether it's even in ministry. There are times when I walk away from the pulpit and say, I could have said that a whole lot better. I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have da, 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 da. And you know, you're picking on yourself. You're picking yourself apart because maybe you didn't do exactly what you think you should have done. And once again, it's based on performance. And what about your Christian performance? Well, God can't really love me as much today. Why? I didn't read but one chapter. Well, maybe you didn't read that. I only read but one verse. Didn't pray enough today. His love for you is not based on performance. He's going to love you whether or not you read today. He has already loved you. I'll put it that way. He has already loved you and rested in His love for you. He loves you so much He can't love you anymore because He gave His life for you and that's the end. That's all that He can do to love you and to show you and demonstrate to you His great love for you and He did it while you were a sinner. Where were we at? Go, look at, look at um, Romans 5 again. I want to show that it's not based on your performance. It's not based on your appearance. It's not based on how you look. It's not based on anything you have done. His love for you, which means that you should love yourself with the same kind of love because you're, to, you're mandated by God to love who? Yourself. Your neighbor as yourself. You're to agape yourself. You're to love yourself with the divine love of God, a love that transcends human love, a love that's not based on human uh, feelings or emotions, a love that's not based on appearance. It's not based on performance. It's a love that's based on principle. It's a love that's based on choice. Choose to love yourself the way you are because God loves you enough the way you are and before you're ever born to do this, to lay down His life for you. Look at Romans 5. We stopped at verse, uh, verse 5. The love of God should have brought our heart by the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God introduced his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. You think sinners perform right for God? We know the practice of sinners. We know the performance of sinners. God did not love them because of their performance. And while we were sinners, God did not love me because of my performance, my appearance, what I look like what I act like, the color of my skin, how much money I have. God did not love me because of anything I have or possess, but God loved me while I was yet a sinner. Christ died for me. Verse 9, much more, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him, from wrath through Him. 
For if, when we were sinners, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more. Everybody say, much more. Say it again, much more. Much more. Two great words. Never forget those words in the Bible. Much more than what? Much more than what? Much more than death separated you from God. Much more, now that you're reconciled, will God deliver you from wrath. Much more that death reigns inside you because of your uh, being out of fellowship with God. Much more will He enable you to reign as a king in the realm of life by Christ Jesus. Much more. God did in us much more than what the devil did when man fell. God did much more in us when He gave us Jesus and a brand new life and His love in us. And that's what this chapter is all about. So it was not based on my performance. It was not based on anything that I've done. It was based on him and how much he loved me and saw my value and worth on the inside not the outside and then finally to love myself is to forgive myself and forget when I miss the mark and I do things that are not pleasing to the father to forgive myself and also to forget my past failures I am to forgive myself and forget when I make mistakes and sin and do wrong in the sight of God. Paul the Apostle said, forgetting those things that are behind me, I press to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The past will destroy you. Past failures will destroy you. Past mistakes will destroy you. Past sins brought up will destroy you. We've got to forgive ourselves, and we've got to forget the mistakes that we've made along the way. The past, as I said, will be used by Satan to undermine the work of God in our lives, and we can't let that occur. Now, the Apostle Paul said, look, follow my example. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, he said, I have wronged no man, I have harmed no man. You know what that means? The past he had to forgive himself of was for killing Christians. He killed those that named the name of Christ. He was persecuting Christians, killing them, consenting to their death, he had no regard, no concern for the one that named Jesus a Savior and Lord. But he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. And when he met Jesus, his whole heart life changed. He had a heart transplant, so to speak. The love of God was on the inside of him. And now he loved those that he hated. And was it based on their performance? No. But he also loved himself enough to say, I forgive myself for killing Christians for putting to death those that name the name of Christ, the one that I preach and embrace as my Savior and Lord. I killed them. I forgive myself. And I forget those things that are behind and I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. God has forgiven us. I've got to forgive myself and I've got to march on. I've got to go forward. I've got to see myself as God sees me. I've got to love myself as God loves me. I've got to have an attitude toward myself that God says is what I'm supposed to have. I'm not to base my, my lo loving myself on my performance or anything like that. And beloved, I've got to do that so I can love you with the same kind of love. And if I don't do it, I can't possibly love you if I can't love myself with that same kind of love. So let's put ourselves out of our thinking right now. Go back before you were ever born and know that someone loved you enough to die for you regardless of what you look like. And now you and I are supposed to love humanity regardless of what they look like. And I'm supposed to love myself regardless of what I look like. Let's stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. 
But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.